technical difficulties, I hope. John chapter number 3. John chapter 3. We're going to look at the lessons from John. If you will pray for me this morning, my throat is really bothering me. And uh, I have been, I think that uh, dealing with a little bit of chest congestion there and the good old sinuses and allergies, so pray for me. And I uh, pray that God would uh, relieve that while I try to preach to you this morning. We're going to take four verses and give you two simple thoughts from the message. And uh, just, just very simple today. But if you would to title the message, you would title, just title it Lessons from John. Lessons from the book of John. Here we are. He has, um, he's been with Nicodemus. Nicodemus' time is over. He leaves Nicodemus, and that's where we're going to pick up. Um, and he's leaving the situation. So here we are. John chapter 3 and verse 22. You got your Bible out? Look at it with me. Let's read all together. Look at verse number 22, and let's read Read together. <clears throat> John chapter 3. The Bible says, And after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John said, also was baptizing in Enon near to Salem because there was much water there and they came and we're baptized. Now you're going to watch something take place here between Jesus and John. John makes a couple statements. John makes a statement here. And not talking about John the Beloved and who Arthur authored this book. We're talking about John the Baptist. Okay? So in verse number 24, for John, this is talking about John the Baptist, for John was not yet cast into prison. In just a couple, in, in just a, in a few verses, we'll, we'll learn that... Uh, that, uh, that, that John will be cast into prison for his preaching. Okay? So in verse 25, For there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee before, beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. All men come to him. So I want to take just a couple of verses here. And let's look at what's taking place. Let's look at it just as by way of introduction. <coughs> we'll see, first of all, as way of introduction, we see Jesus Christ is leaving. Leaving, leaving Christ. Christ is leaving the area in which he was with Nicodemus. In verse number 22... After these things, after what things? What things are we talking about? After the things took place with Nicodemus, now he's, now he's leaving. He's transitioning to somewhere else. And his disciples came into the land of Judea. Now he's in the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and did what? He left that area and he baptized. Now we understand this and we'll get to it in just a moment. But first of all, just by way of introduction, we see that Jesus is leaving. He left that area. He, he needed to go to another area, and we'll see in a couple of in verses before the Bible talks about Jesus needing to 
certain place. Jesus needed to leave. Jesus needed to be in that area. He, he left. So we see he left, not only that he left, but the disciples followed. Look at that same verse in verse number 22. The Bible says, and his disciples into the land of Judea. They came and they followed Jesus. They came and they followed Jesus. What an example it is to us that we would just follow Jesus. And the Bible says in Mark chapter number 3 and verse number 14, the Bible says, and when and he ordained 12, they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Mark chapter 3 verse 14 is the same text of what's taking place in John. But Jesus and those disciples came with him. <coughs> they followed him. So we see that Jesus Christ, he was leaving. We see the disciples, they were following. Christ, watch. Now watch, this is, this is something to be true, something to be made known. Is Jesus Christ wants everyone, uh, he, wanted, he wanted everyone to follow him. But not only that, but he wanted to fellowship with them. So when he left there, he was leaving with the disciples, not only so they would follow him, but also so they would have fellowship with him. Why did Jesus, why did God create man? So that we would fellowship with him. Why did Christ do that? Because he wanted to have sweet fellowship with us. Now, too many times in the rush of things, and, and as busy as we are, we forget that we ought to have quiet time with God and that sweet fellowship. But I think there has been one thing that's taken place in this time of uh, of the COVID and all that's taken place, it has allowed some people to slow down. It has allowed some people to maybe get that time with God in which they were not getting. And so as we make our way through this time, sure, it might be uncertain times, it might be different times, but it ought to never take a place and uh, it ought never take away from our time that we spend with God. We ought to follow close to him and fellowship close to him. What does it mean to fellowship with God? It means we ought to spend time with him, pray with him, uh, to read his Bible. And, and, and not just times uh, as we look through this, as we, as we go through life, uh, fellowship with people, uh, even with your wife or with your spouse, sitting with each other and talking to each other. Just fellowshipping. What does it take for you to fellowship with your brother or your sister or family? Is talking to them and allowing them to talk to you. And when we fellowship with Christ, what is that going to take place? What is it going to take place? You sitting and talking and you allowing Christ to talk to you. There's two ways that God, there's more than, more than one way that God can talk to you. One way that God can talk to you is through the Bible. Through the Bible. One way that God can talk to you is through prayer. Because as you're praying and God puts something on your mind. I, have you ever done that? Man, I've been praying and, and praying for my things, my own way, you know. And all of a sudden something hits me and it's God speaking to me. God speaks to me that way. But then also the third, another way that God speaks to us is through preaching. When we hear preaching, God allows, God gives preachers the words to say sometimes and then allows us to be in that set where we hear it and then God can speak to us. <coughs> Now, there's more than those ways. God can speak to us through books. God can speak to us through all kinds of all kinds of things. But God, if we listen, and there's the rain, it's coming down now. And, and, and God can speak to us if we will listen. 
So not only do we see that Christ left the area, the disciples followed him, but let's see, before we move on into the sermon, why, why did Christ leave? Why did Christ leave? Verse number 22. And he carried with them and what? Baptized. Why did he leave? Because he was to baptize people. He was doing his father's business. If you will notice in the text or in the Bible where the Bible says where Jesus was just a young lad and he was in the, he was in the temple teaching and preaching, he told his mom, he said, I must be about my father's business. Look, he was done with Nicodemus. He was done talking to him, done witnessing to him, done planting the seed because later Nicodemus would get saved. But here he goes. He said, I'm done. But he has something else to do. We must always try to follow the Lord. Always try to follow the next step, the next thing. Jesus was to go and baptize. And it was important that he did. So let's look at two things here this morning from, from the lessons from John. We see lesson number one is the example that John sets. In verse number 23, and John also was what? He was baptizing as well. So not only was Jesus baptizing, but John was baptizing. And he was baptizing in Enon near Salaam. So, so we know that, that John was, there was Jesus baptizing in Judea. And there was John baptizing near, not, not far from Jesus. He was baptizing as well, just right down the road. And why was, why was John baptizing? Because John was following the Lord. He was preparing the way of the Lord. And John was also baptizing because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. So we know this, that John was setting the example in which that is to be baptized. So we see three different, <coughs> three different types of baptisms in the Bible. Three different water baptisms in the Bible. We see, number one, the Redeemer baptism, Redeemer being baptized, and that's Jesus Christ. The repentance baptism, which is John's baptism. John preached uh, repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and they were baptized. Then we see the redeemed baptism. And what is that? That is my baptism. It's, it's, a, it's a believer's baptism. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. And this is... John setting the example, the meaning of baptism. Those were the three types of baptism. What was this meaning? What was all this about? It was because those had repented were getting baptized. And know that the repentance or, or the, the preaching of John is the same preaching that Jesus did. But those that followed uh, in believers' baptism were just following the steps in which Jesus Christ made. So we need to take those steps. And following Jesus as he makes those steps. And what did he do? He was baptized. We ought to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Now, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? If you have been born again, if you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and you've never been baptized, then that's you. And you need to be baptized. So maybe there's someone listening that says, I've never been baptized. Well, you need to get baptized. You say, well, how do you get baptized? See, the Bible says in that verse, verse number 23, the Bible says, why was he baptizing? Because there was much water. Do you know what that means? That they were getting baptized in the much water. See, if there was sprinkling going on, he would have just had to have a cup. 
and just been sprinkling people. But he knew that there was a lot of water there so he could actually baptize people. And the word baptize or the word baptism means fully immersed. Fully immersed all the way under. And so how was John baptizing? John was baptizing in full immersion. So you say, what is, what is that to me? If you've never been baptized fully immersed, guess what you need to do? You need to be baptized fully immersed. Why? Because God saved me. I'm a born again believer. I need to be baptized like Christ was baptized. You say, how do you know that Christ was baptized underwater? I'm going to tell you how I know. This is how I know. The Bible says that when John baptized Jesus, that Jesus came up out of the water. What does that mean? That means that he was under the water. You cannot come up out of a sprinkle. Right? You cannot come out of a halfway. You have to be underwater and then you have to come up out of. So Christ's baptism is the example. But John preaching this is still preaching and baptizing people there. We see the mode of the meeting. You say, <coughs> why else? Why else should a person be baptized like that? I'm going to tell you Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4. Because it's a picture. The Bible says in John Romans chapter three, 6 and verse number 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we are uh, also should walk in newness of life. What does that verse tell me? That the, the baptism, not baptism of the Spirit, but baptism of water, is this. Under, like Jesus was buried in the ground, and up, Amen. like Jesus rose from the dead. Last Amen. week we talked about being risen from the dead. Those are That is the mode, uh, that is the meaning, that is how he wants us to do it, is to be baptized in water and rise from, like he rose from the dead, a picture of his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why baptism is, or ought to be, that way. So, we see the example that John set. But not only that, number two, and we'll be done. Number two, we see... That John lays out before us is the competition. The competition. You say, what do you mean the competition? Look what takes place in verse in John chapter 3 and verse number 25. Verse number 24, before we move on, John hasn't been cast into prison. It's just a statement that's made. Verse number 25. He said, Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. So they had begun to compare themselves among themselves and compared one group of disciples to the other group of disciples. And here they are talking about Jesus' disciples and John's disciples. And <coughs> why is it that we're not purifying them? And it was a big thing for the Jews about purification. And you will later see in the book of Acts, and, and there was a, a, something that God revealed to Peter, that God told Peter that what, I, what, you, what you say is unclean, I now call clean. And so God was trying to prepare that to take place. But all of all of those things taking place, they were talking about purification. 
about what's clean and what's unclean or what's right to eat and what's not right to eat and what's good to do and what's not right to do. And, and they were talking about this and, and the debate was going on. The competition was taking place. John's disciples, Jesus' disciples. But ultimately, all that was taking place was pride. They were talking about, well, well, this is going on and here's this and here's this and here's this. Look at verse number 26. They came to John and they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, uh, the same baptizing. He said, look, look, don't, don't you remember that guy that you, you baptized? Don't you remember him that was beyond Jordan that you baptized? He said, yes, I remember him. Yes, that is Jesus Christ. Yes, that is him. And look, and as we look at this thing, we are not in a competition between other churches. We are not in a competition between anybody else. We're in the same, we're in the same business. If they hate, if they're preaching the same Bible and they're preaching the same gospel, guess what? They're not my enemy. They're my friend. They're they're my they're my uh, companion. They're not my competition. Look, Jesus or John and Jesus' disciples, they weren't they weren't competition. They ought to have had been companions and friends and got along and went together. But they were worried about this, about purification, when ultimately they should have been worried about being on the same team. I'm on the same team. If you're preaching the same gospel, guess what? We're on the same team. Not only that, but I see... I think there's this that goes on in churches, too much competition. We're on the same team. We're on the same team. <coughs> there's not one person in our church that ought to be more important than the other. Amen. You know why? Because we're all on the same team. That's right. You know, and I've said this before, and I mean it. This is the body of Christ. And if one is, if the whole body of Christ is the foot Guess what? Man, we're in trouble. Because then we can't walk. You say, why can't you walk? Because you don't have a knee. And you don't have a hip. And you don't have all the bone, all the muscles and all the things that take place for the foot to walk. Every part of the body of Christ is important. And we ought to quit. Hey, well, my, my, my part's more important than the other part. No, we're all important to the body of Christ. No matter how big or how small you think you are, your job is important. I want you to think for just a moment about your eyes for just one moment. What would happen if your eyelid quit working? What would happen? You think, well, that's a little bitty part. It is a little bitty part, but it plays a huge role in your eyesight. If your eye does not get, if your eye lid does not close properly and, and make sure that your eye gets cleansed and make sure that your eye gets enough water, make sure your eye gets enough, uh, lubrication on it, guess what? Your eyesight's not going to be right. But that one little part <coughs> plays a role in all that we do. You know what? The eyelid shouldn't be in competition with the mouth. This is not what it's about. We're about, we're on the same team. Every one of us. And what is our goal? The gospel. That's right. Look at verse number 26. This ought to be our goal. This ought to be every goal of every church, every goal of every church member, every goal of everybody in the world. Right here. And all men come to him. How many men? All. How many people ought to come to him? All of them. 
Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, <coughs> God is not willing that any should perish, but that all men should come unto repentance. Do you know what? God doesn't want anybody to die. God doesn't want anybody to die without Christ. It ought to be our goal to work as a team to make sure that no one dies without Christ. Work as a team. Work, a, work as individuals. What, what happens is we begin to, well, did you see what I did? Did you see what I accomplished? You know, we, we can't. I might be able to accomplish a lot of things, but I can't accomplish a lot without help. And there's not one person in here. Two is better than one. Three is better than two. Amen. Five is better than three. Five is better than four. And all of that, look, one. Two is better than one. We need to work together. Striving together for Christ. For all men to come to him. You have family. You have friends that need to come to Christ. Well, maybe it takes you bringing them to Christ. Maybe it takes me. Maybe it takes someone else. You say, well, I don't know what the right words to say. Well, we'd, be love, we'd love to go by and see them and talk to them about Christ. John says, John says this. John, John didn't yet speak, but they come to him and see that we got to bring all men to him. Amen to him. Next week, we'll talk about my, what my life verse. We'll preach for my life verse. John 3 and verse number 30. John makes a statement uh, on this text that, look, look guys, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what you can do and what you can accomplish. It's about Christ. And as we go through this, as we live this Christian life, it's not about you. So that all men could come to him. Who am I concerned about that needs to come to Christ? Let me more importantly ask you this. Who am I not concerned about that ought to come to Christ? I challenge each and every one of you that are listening, that are here, Every one of us know one person that doesn't know the Christ. No, doesn't know Christ. Maybe there's someone listening this morning that says, I don't know Christ. I don't know. I'm on my way to heaven. You say, I don't know. I don't know. I want to ask you this. Know the Lord. Why don't you put your faith in him today and trust him for your salvation? Why don't you put away all the thoughts that take, hey man, I, I can get myself there. I, I, I got this. I can handle this. Quit trusting yourself. Quit trusting your good works. Quit trusting what you've done in the past and trust Christ. You say, what, what would it take for me to get to heaven? I'm going to tell you what it would take for you to get to heaven. You must confess. You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And if you believe that and confess, the Bible says that you shall know that you have eternal life. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Maybe you're sitting in your living room today. Maybe you're sitting out on the porch watching the rain come down as you're watching this. I don't know where you're at. But if you don't know the Lord, I want to challenge you right now, right where you are at, I want you to call on him and ask him to save you. Ask him to be your savior. I don't know I'd go to heaven. Well, I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray and ask Christ to save you. I'm going to help you word a prayer. Know this. This prayer doesn't save you. This prayer won't save you unless you put your faith and your trust in Christ. So let's pray. If you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior, if you'd like to ask Him to take you to heaven, pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that without you, I would go to hell. But I'm trusting you and you alone to take me to heaven when I die. Lord, save me. Thank you for saving me. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You said that was me. I, I said that prayer for the first time in my life. Right now, right now. Let me know. We'd love to rejoice with you. We'd love to share that. We'd love, it would not be an embarrassing moment at all. Everybody on here would rejoice with you if you shared that. Would you say, well, I'm a private person and I want everybody to know. Will you contact me? Let me know. As a church, we'd like to rejoice with you. I challenge you. There's someone that's on your heart that God's placed there. Call them this afternoon. I, you know, with what's going on, you may not be able to go see them. Maybe call them. Tell them you're praying for them. You say, well, I've talked to them about Christ before. Just call them and tell them you're praying for them. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to close. But I encourage you, if you said that prayer, please share with us. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we'll be doing the same thing. We'll have church tonight. Join us back tonight at 6 o'clock uh, on Facebook Live. And I look forward to seeing you tonight. Again, thanks for joining us. And... Uh, God bless y'all. Have a good have a good afternoon.